0: Than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive. People can hit tall buildings at a single bound. The infant of ship town is now the man of steel, Superman.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Superman Forever Radio Podcast my name is Bob Fisher. He was born Jack Edward Larson, February 8th, 1928, and passed away September 20th, 2015. He was an actor, a librettist, a composer, a writer, and many things in his long 87 years on the planet. But I, and probably you, knew him best as Jimmy Olsen, Superman's pal, on the Adventures of Superman TV show of the fifties, I've learned many, many more things about Mr. Larson since his death over the last month than I ever knew about him while he was still alive. In reading all of these comments and and uh, uh, words from his friends and people who knew him, I came to find out that he was quite uh, a special individual, a sweet man, and an incredibly talented man. Now, we knew him as an actor, Jimmy Olsen, and he got that part and didn't want to take it, actually. We'll go back just a little bit, but he didn't really want the part when it was offered to him. But like George Reeves, his agent said, take it. No one will ever see it. Take the money and move on. The money was $350 per episode, by the way. So he took the show and the rest is history, as they say. But because of that show, he was Typecast and had an incredibly difficult time getting parts after that show because he was so well known as Jimmy Olsen. And his companion friend at the time, Cliff Montgomery, told him to, uh, after several auditions, said, You know, you got to quit putting yourself through that. And that's when Jack actually turned his attentions to behind the camera to writing, producing, and some other things. Jack was a big fan of the arts, and most of his friends were in the arts. He lived in a Frank Lloyd Wright house. Uh, Just an incredible life that this man led, quietly behind the scenes. uh, I would urge all of you to actually look up Jack Larson's bio on the uh, IMDb or... Uh, Wiki or some other places. Do a little research and actually look up the man. Quite a life that he led, and I didn't think you know I could have any more respect or love for someone I never knew in person than I do for him or did for him until I started reading all of these things and just found him to be so much more than just Jimmy Olson. But what an incredible life and uh, person! he was. Been listening to other people, of course, who knew him and uh, have talked about him since his death. I think one of the fun stories, too, was uh, Steve Eunice from the uh, Superman homepage actually got to have lunch with Jack uh, during the filming of Superman Returns, which was shot in Sydney. And uh, Steve was quite funny when he said that during lunch, they had some Chinese food during lunch, he and Jack. And most, you know, and, and during the time as they talked, uh, Steve would be thinking that here he is, he's talking to this el- nice elderly gentleman. And then periodically Jack would laugh or say something and Steve would think, oh, my God, I'm having lunch with Jimmy Olson," because it all came back right then. But apparently, Jack was a very, very special, talented, intelligent, caring, thoughtful human being. As I said earlier, he was an actor, but the acting career basically was the adventures of Superman. And as we know, he had a hard time getting work after that and turned his attentions to other things, uh, including being a writer and a librettist, and um, won awards and was well-known in that world of opera and musicals and plays, a playwright. Uh, Just fascinating, just absolutely fascinating what we find out about someone after they're gone. I wish I had met the man. I never did meet him. I did meet, uh, of that wonderful cast, Uh, I have met Noel Neal. who was quite devastated by his death and said that she has lost her best friend. So that at least is something nice that we see, you know, in the TV show that how close they were in that TV show. And to know that off camera and after that, they remained close, dear friends. She is in her 90s now, Noel Neal. But as I said, I knew Jack as Jimmy Olsen. That TV show as those of you who have been listening to this show for uh, at least while I've been hosting, know how important that show was to me as far as my beginnings with Superman. My earliest recollections, my earliest memories are of that show. I knew Superman from that show before I knew him in the comics, and I knew Jimmy Olsen from that show before I knew him in the comics. And speaking of Jimmy Olsen in the comics, of course, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, the comic, was created because of the popularity that Jack brought to that character in that show. And his own title, Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen, the comic, lasted 20 years, from 1954 all the way to 1974. And then the stories stayed as it went to the Superman family, where it got folded in with Lois Lane and a few other comics. So the Jimmy Olsen stories continued. And to this day, even in modern comics, although they, the modern comics don't really, you know, represent any of the characters that I know or knew, Jimmy Olsen is still by name one of the main characters in the Superman comics. Jimmy Olsen has been in practically every one of the movies. James Olsen will be part of the new Supergirl show. And I wonder, had that show not been a success, would Jimmy Olsen even be known today? Or would he just be a footnote? Jack Larson brought Jimmy Olsen to life. Now, many will think, when you think of Jimmy Olsen, you'll think of the goofy photographer, the, the, you know, a punchline. But don't cut him short. And if you haven't seen all of those episodes, I, I, you know, I have said this before, not probably say it uh, again many times, but those episodes, some of them are on YouTube. I think the first season is still on YouTube, but I strongly, strongly encourage uh, you. If you're a Superman fan at all, I strongly encourage you to get those DVDs and watch those episodes. And the next time you watch an episode of The Adventures of Superman, pay close attention to Jack Larson and his portrayal of Jimmy Olsen. Now, they are quite different from the first season to the rest of the uh, five seasons. And I'm going to talk about that in a, future, a couple of future episodes, where I delve a little more in depth uh, with those episodes and that, that series. But today I thought I would mention a little bit about, you know, my thoughts of Jimmy Olsen and, and uh, one or two of my favorite Jimmy Olsen moments in those shows. And as I've said before, the first season, and as anybody who knows the shows know, the first season is quite different than the uh, other seasons. The first season... Uh, sat on the shelf after they shot it. They had no sponsorship. it sat on the se- shelf for the first year. And a year later when they got a sponsor, Kelloggs, as it went as the first shot season from 1951 went on the air, they started filming the rest and uh, a lot of things changed. The producers changed and uh, but the on screen change was Lois Lane went from Phyllis Coates of the first season to Noel Neal in the second season and third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. But in that first season, the show was was, um, more a crime noir adventure drama than it was uh, a children's show. And more in the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth season, the last four seasons, uh, the color episodes became a little more Geared for children than the first and even the second season, actually. Both the first two seasons were in black and white. And even though the fourth, fifth, and sixth, or the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth seasons were filmed in color, they were never broadcast in color until the show went into syndicated reruns in the early 60s. But back to Jimmy. In the first season, some people will mention, uh, that one of their favorite episodes is The Haunted Lighthouse, which, again, is a great, great episode. And you see Jimmy, uh, it's a Jimmy-featured episode. And I, I I love the episode, too. It's a great episode. And we see, you know, um, Jack portraying a curly-haired young Jimmy Olsen, cub reporter slash photographer for The Daily Planet. But one of my favorite episodes of the first season is The Evil 3, and it also featured Jimmy Olsen. Now, it also featured uh, Perry White, John Hamilton, who played Perry White. And one of the opening scenes, in fact, this particular episode, The Evil 3, an incredibly scary for a little kid TV show. I still remember it scaring the bejeebies out of me as a little kid. Uh, the episode called The Evil Three. I mean, literally, there were two scenes in that in that episode that scared me as much as uh, seeing Psycho for the first time. Uh, literally, it, it was just incredible. And with the way that it was photographed and shot, uh, again, black and white, but this episode called The Evil Three is about Perry White... It opens up with Perry White taking Jimmy on a little fishing excursion. And the opening scene is just terrific. And it's a long one camera shot with Perry and Jimmy. They sit down about to, you know, uh, uh, find a place to sleep for the night, a hotel. And they do this incredible scene with props with map pulling out a map and fishing gear and uh, you just see all of these wonderful play between uh, Hamilton and Larson in this scene Perry White and Jimmy Olsen with Perry White the gruff old you know he's out to go fishing and he's just you know had a wonderful day of fishing and but Jimmy on the other hand the mosquitoes are getting him he's got to carry all the tackle he's dropping the props the the fishing tackle and trying to organize it and put it down the mos- and slapping mosquitoes and the dialogue between these two and, and keep in mind again black and white shot in long scenes with very little uh, cuts between them unlike today where literally every second or two you're cutting 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 with multiple cameras this was shot like a like i said a black and white crime noir drama and they set it up beautifully
0: see i told you there was a cabin here the road's down that way about a half mile that's where we parked the car this fellow sells live bait guess he's closed up It's 4.30. Do you realize we've been fishing since 8.30 this morning, and what have we got? Not a thing. I should have known better than to bring you along.
2: Don't blame me. I did everything you told me. And a lot of things I
0: didn't tell you. A fishing rod's not a baseball bat. You've got to handle it gently. And you can't go tramping through a trout stream like a bull in a china shop. You've got to be quiet. How can I be quiet with mosquitoes
2: eating me up alive?
0: Ah, mosquitoes. When I was your age, a few mosquitoes didn't bother me. (sighs) Let's see now. We're parked on Route 34, about six miles from Glenbrook.
2: Are we going home?
0: No, we're not going home. I came here to catch fish, and I'm going to catch fish if it's the last thing I do. Besides, it'll be dark in an hour, and I don't like to drive at night. Now, there's a place called Beaver Falls near here. Hotel there, Hotel Bayou. We can stay there overnight. They have a good bass pond on the property.
2: You mean we're not gonna do any more fishing today? Too late. Oh, that's good. Mm. <clears throat> Gone mosquitoes.
0: mosquitoes. Mosquitoes, mosquitoes, is that all you can talk about? Oh, I quit talking about them if they quit biting me. Look! Don't bother me. Nothing. Nothing. Mm. Ah. Why do they print the names of these places so small? Gonna have a magnifying glass to see them. Here. You find it.
2: Mm. Put these away. And do oh. it, Mosquito. Oh.
0: Pay attention to what you're doing.
2: Oh, I I got it here.
0: Don't show it to me. Where is it?
2: Well, it's on 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 Route 19, about three miles below Shelby. Does 34 go into 19? Yes, at Parsons' Corner. See what I mean? Come on, pick up yourself, let's get going. You raise the devil with me when I complain about the mosquitoes. When they start biting you, it's a different thing. Boy, you call this fun? It'll be a sad day when I go fishing again. Nothing but mosquitoes and waiting for brush and waiting here with me.
1: So finally, they talk, and, and, and this wonderful scene, I urge you to go to YouTube, I think it's on YouTube now, and do a search, Adventures of Superman, Evil 3, and, and watch this episode. Several wonderful scenes. So they finally, after they sit and talk, and Perry White decides, we'll go right down here and stay at this other hotel where he had stayed before many years ago. But when they get to the hotel, uh, they show us, the, the viewer, the very creepy people in this hotel a guy that looks kind of like Colonel Sanders in a long coat, the little white beard and 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 wonderful character actors in this in this episode. And they're fighting and there's obviously something wrong with this hotel. No one's been there in quite some time. So Perry and Jimmy show up there after these other people have had a little fight going on and then they clean the place up real quickly and Perry and Jimmy walk in and realize that immediately something is Not like it should be in this hotel. Well, Jimmy wants to get get out of there. He's just scared, obviously, from the moment they walk into the place. But Perry says no, because Perry sees a story. He knows, his nose knows, (laughs) so to speak, that there is news and a story to be had there. So Perry says, we're going to stay here, blah, 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 sign in while I go get something out of the car. And Perry goes back and makes a phone call in his car phone, yes, a car phone, terrific, 1950s, folks. Uh, But anyway, it's a great story, and one thing leads to another, and they do solve the mystery uh, of the hidden money and everything that's going on and the woman in the wheelchair. It's just so creepy. And uh, the first series, the first season... Of the show has closer to a golden age type Superman, even though he has x ray vision, he can fly he 's invulnerable, et cetera, et cetera, but he's more of a punch type superman it's it's black and white and it 's really, really terrific. But I think in this episode we see the great acting abilities of Perry White and Jack Larson working together. And throughout the entire series of all six seasons, many of my favorite scenes of Jack Larson are when he's with Perry White, John Hamilton, when he's with him, and the two of them are playing off of each other. Now, as the series progressed from the second through the sixth season, and particularly, as I said, the third through the sixth season, things changed quite a bit. Now, in interviews, Jack Larson said he liked the change because the attitude of the show got lighter, and he was able to use uh, some of his um, uh, comedic talents in those later episodes. Now, because of that, some people will look at those episodes and think, "Well, those are silly. Those are stupid. Those are well, 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 well." Well, to me, they're brilliant. Absolutely brilliant in the way that Martin and Lewis, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, was a brilliant act in the way that Laurel and Hardy or any other team where one guy is the straight guy, Rowan and Martin of laughing, where one guy is the straight guy and the other guy is the comedian. Hamilton and Larson could have been that kind of a team. And if you watch these episodes, and get out of your head modern, serious, real life sensibilities, and watch these shows for the joy of them, and watch Jack Larson, and in fact, when from um, one of the second season episodes, uh, when asked what one of his, uh, when asked about his favorite episode, Jack Larson will point to an episode called semi-private eye, which is also one of my favorite episodes. And we see the incredible slapstick timing and humor and acting abilities of Jack Larson in this episode. And I would love to ask him now, i would, you know, too late now, of course, but how many takes did you do in that hotel room with the bed, handcuffed to the bed? That It's just, it's incredible. The looks on his face, The way that he pulls this thing off, and again, not with many edits. It's like one camera, these cameras following these guys. The rehearsal time, they had very little of it. They just were on a quick, short budget. They shot many of the scenes, or almost all of them, out of sequence shooting all of the office scenes for five shows at the same time and then edit them all later for their appropriate shows. So it had to have been somewhat confusing for the for the actors, but I guess by the third, fourth, fifth, sixth season they got into it and they understood what they were doing. And just, you know, learned their lines, went in, shot it, and got out of there. But now all this all these years later looking at these shows, and particularly if you just Take one of the characters and follow them through the episode, particularly as I'm talking now. Concentrate on Jack's performances. Look up these two shows. One from the first season called Evil 3 and his performance and the way it was shot. It's just just terrific. And then the second season, Semi-Private Eye. Uh, Semi-Private Eye was pretty funny. Uh, The whole basic plot was that uh, Lois... Uh, once again, was trying to once and for all prove that Clark Kent is Superman. So she decides to hire a private investigator to follow Clark. So when they go to the semi-private eyes or the private eyes office, uh, Homer Garrity, uh, another great couple of scenes jimmy is very surprised when he meets homer garrity as homer garrity answers the door and says may i help you and jimmy says no we're here to see homer garrity the private eye and this little bespeckled man says uh well i'm homer garrity and jimmy says well no you couldn't no i'm no you're the private eye jimmy's expecting you know from the gangster movies the big tough rugged you know uh humphrey bogart type private eye or james cagney And here's a little Meek Mild kind of guy. One thing leads to another, and the private eye, uh, Homer Garrity and Lois Lane are kidnapped. And Jimmy follows the clues and tries to become a private eye to solve the mystery. And, uh, of course, Superman comes in to save the day towards the end. But some of the scenes that Jimmy has to do in this episode— with the trench coat, the hat, uh, smoking a cigarette for the first time, it, uh, getting, handcuffing himself to a brass bed and then getting out of it. Also, several actors in this that you have seen, I'm not going to tell you who they are now because I want you to go look them up, but you will have recognized them from Westerns or movies or other places. And his interaction with these people, it, it, again, it's just absolutely brilliant. And yes, I'm using the term brilliant because that's what they were. Particularly when you figure they had little or no time to learn the dialogue, learn the bits, get in there, shoot them, and get them out. So concentrate next time you watch us episode of uh, The Adventures of Superman.
2: If there's one thing I hate, it's having even the vaguest idea where I'm going or why. Now you know. Gee, a private eye. You know, Miss Lane... If I ever got fired from the Daily Planet, which almost happens every day, that's what I'd like to be, a Seamus.
3: A Seamus?
2: Sure. My own private secretary, torpedoes from Toledo, slinky gun miles, the killer fleeing from the sight of my steel blue eyes and rock-like jaw.
3: (laughs) I thought I heard voices. Are you looking for me? No, we're looking for Homer Garrity, the private eye. I'm Homer Garrity. Come in, won't you? You? I'm Lois Lane, and this is Jimmy Olsen. It's a pleasure. Come in. All my clients are disappointed at first. They expect a cross between a gorilla and Sherlock Holmes. Sit down, won't you? Thank you. Oh, what can I do for you? I'll get right to the point, Mr. Garrity. I want someone followed. Clark Kent of the Daily Planet. Would you mind telling me why? Well, if I'm right, I think you'll find out why. Well, I could start this evening. I'm just winding up a blackmail case. Blackmail? Yes, I finally discovered who the blackmailer is. I'll turn the information over to my client this afternoon, and my part of the job is done.
2: You mean you won't even make the arrest yourself? No, that's up to my client and the police. either I've been going to too many movies, or you haven't been going to enough.
3: Just so you won't be too disillusioned. Look, I do own these things, and I have a license to carry this gun. Oh, But in all my years' experience, I've never used the gun. Nor any of this paraphernalia. Oh. Maybe this will impress you, young man. You see this mirror? Yeah. All right, come with me. Look. Oh, but but... that's right. Miss Lane can't see you at all. This is a special one-way window. The other side of it's a mirror. Well, now, this is more like it. I must confess I love all sorts of gadgets. Sometimes I use it to watch my clients. It helps me to find out whether they're telling me the truth or not. You mean your own clients lie to you? Oh, quite often. Now you stay here and watch her. you can see every move in that room. Okay. Keep both hands on the desk, Garrity. Certainly, Mr. Leonard. Who's the dame? Sales lady. Office supplies. She has nothing to do with us. If you're in trouble.
0: All right, lady, you can come along, too. Hey, boss, how come we don't
2: get a second? I like that. We just got it? It's wrong. Come on.
3: Hello. Guaranty? Homer Garrity? Who is this? Just the guy you got out of a jam once, Homer.
0: So I'm returning the favor. Hey, Maury, rack him up. What kind of a journey you're running? Shut up, you guys, will you? Who's that?
3: Oh, never mind. Uh, listen, Garrity, I'm tipping you off. Couple of characters are out to get you. So watch it, will you? That's all.
2: Hello, operator, give me the police. This is an emergency. No, no, please. I want to report a kidnapping. Lois Lane, Homer Garrity, just about a f- Never mind. You handle it your way. I'll handle it mine. Miss Latour, take a memo. I'm calling this the unfortunate kidnap caper. It all started quite innocently enough with Lois Lane and Homer Garrity being let out at gunpoint. Then came the phone call from the mysterious tipster. Now I'm off to find the tipster himself. How, Miss Latour? Elementary. I merely look for a pool hall run by a citizen named Maury. No license. Thanks, baby. I know I'm a genius. But sometimes I get tired of slapping around these punk hoodlums all day. Oh, well. Somebody has to do it. End a memo.
1: next time you watch an episode of The Adventures of Superman to focus on Jack's performance of Jimmy Olsen and see exactly how special he was to that show and the people around him. And here's another thing to show the character of Jack Larson. When George Reeves died, the producers, of course, wanted to continue the success of The Adventures of Superman. It was an incredibly popular TV show. It's hard for you to imagine If you're growing up here in this age of entertainment when you want it, you know, where you want it, doesn't matter, you know, with hundreds and hundreds of TV channels and movies and games and so much at your disposal for entertainment. At the time this aired in first run, it was an evening primetime television show and was incredibly popular. There was really three networks, CBS, ABC, and NBC. This show was huge at the time. So when George Reeves died, they really wanted to continue to capitalize on the success of the show. So the producers came to Jack Larson. And by this point, 1958, his comic book was also a big seller, selling literally hundreds of thousands of copies a month of the Jimmy Olsen comic book. Incredibly popular comic, popular TV show, in no small part because of Jack Larson, and because of all these characters. They were all great, great characters. So the producers came to Jack Larson and said, we want to continue the show, and this is our idea. We'd like to rename the show The Adventures of Superman's Pal, Jimmy Olsen, with you in the Jack as the star of the show and they offered him, you know, more money and, you know, the star of the show. And they decided and they thought what we would do then would be use, you know, clips from the show of George flying and leaping out and other scenes and they would just reuse some of those scenes and shoot new footage of Jack and probably Noel in the parts of Jimmy and Lois. Well, Jack turned it down without discussing it with anyone. It just flat out said, no, thank you. Not interested in capitalizing on my friend's death. That's the kind of guy he was. And he stayed true, blue, loyal to his friends for the rest of his life. So once again, a very, very special human has left the planet and he will be missed. Rest in peace, Jack. Rest in peace. And so, at that
4: point, I thought, what I've got to do mm-hmm. is go to Broadway, <laughs> I I don't want another stock contract to the right. studio, I don't want any of this kind of stuff, I want to get to New York. And But none of us got paid a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know, at that time, Debbie Reynolds got, and I know that because I checked with her, she asked me to do her biography on biography, uh-huh. and they said, how much money did she get, I said, I better ask her. Mm-hmm because it may be embarrassing. So I called and I said, how, how much money did you get? I know what I got. I got 125 a week and and I said, but they just asked me, do you want me to say what you got? And that was only 40 weeks out of the year, you were 12 weeks later. And she said, yes, yeah, $65 a week. You shitting, you got 125 And she, she knew and I knew. And so, so so, there was no money to go to New York, you right. know. I bought a Ford convertible <laughs> when I was a young star. I bought this Ford convertible. And, uh, and uh, so at that point... I had done and enjoyed do, doing this live television with Buck Buchanan, half-hour show. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I wanted to go to New York, but I didn't have any money, and it was a frightening. When you say, "Were well, you frightened about something, the idea of going to New York without any money mm-hmm. uh, was a serious <laughs> proposition as far as I was concerned. Yeah. And at that point, I got offered to play Jimmy in The Adventures of Superman, which was the first show ever filmed with a real camera. Mm -hmm. Lucy was shooting, but Lucy was a three camera show with an audience. Uh Superman was going to be one camera. Uh There was a show shooting at the same time, which never went on the air. Jackie Gleason shot Life with Riley. Uh There's three, 13 episodes, I'm told. Nobody's right. ever seen them. It didn't. They later got William Bendix, and it was mm-hmm. a success. But it was Gleason before he was famous. Oh. And uh, he was shooting that at Hal Roach, and they were going to shoot Superman at the old Selznick studio, which was now owned by Howard Hughes on uh, Washington Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And uh, they offered me to play Jimmy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought... I don't want to do that. And uh, it seemed to me like a Saturday morning serial or something. I don't know. And so the casting man and my agent, and the actual producer, Bob Maxwell, they wanted me. And, um, and so I went there to see them. And I said, I don't know. And they said, Well, you need to make up your mind. We're in production, they were shooting a, uh, a film of it a B-film of Superman, and then they were going to shoot 26 half-hour shows financed by National Comics DC themselves. They were financing the whole thing, and the man was producing it, who'd done the radio show, Bob Maxwell, and they said, you need to make up your mind, and, and everybody, everybody said to me, Clue me, and said, look kid, you're crazy. You're very mixed up. You want to go to New York. You don't have money to go to New York. You don't want another stock contract like at Fox, which was possible. You don't want that. You want to go to New York. You do this and you'll have enough money. It's 26 shows. You'll have enough money to go to New York and probably no one will ever see it. Is exactly what they said to me. Probably no one will ever see it. We don't know what it is. So I said, I'm going to go surfing. I the ocean, So I went down to, on Washington Boulevard to Venice, uh-huh. and I went surfing in that very murky. I should have been up, <laughs> drank us, but I was at Venice where it's sandy and gooey. And, and I thought about it, and they said, you come back on your way back and tell us whether you'll do this or not. And so I thought, why not? I was sandy. I had oil. And there's oil oil spots on me, and I I got on my clothes, and I went back and stopped at the studio, and I said, "I'll do it."
1: So you're kind of a hip theater guy,
4: and a kid
1: who's who's, found his way. Yeah. And you end up playing, you know.
4: And And so I I, now I did, uh, and so we started shooting Mm -hmm. The Adventures of Superman, and and I and I was wild about doing it because, like at Warner's. Nobody let you do anything. They knew exactly what you what you were good at. They the dialogue directors would rehearse you. They were grooming you for something. But in this case, I would, They let me do what I wanted to do. We were shooting quickly, and they let me just do it. You know, and uh, and I had a beat on it. And what happened to me was, the first day that we shot was on the Hal Roach. Archeopathy, mm-hmm. which had been sales, they were Gone with the Wind, was, was right. done, didn't have standing outdoor sets, like street right. scenes. Mm-hmm. So the first day I was going to work with George Reeves, who was playing Superman, right. uh, they rented the Hal Roach studio. Because they had, and Jimmy was going to be is going to be murdered, <laughs> and is being lowered in the safe from the villains, <laughs> lowered in this safe, and then Superman is uh, drives by his Kent, and he sees Jimmy's in the safe, and uh, and the and the rope is fraying, and he chases the Superman and he catches the safe and and takes Jimmy out. It it's the first day we worked together, so I don't know quite where I am or what I'm doing, but I'm talking with. George and I are sitting there uh-huh. before we do the scene, and and he compliments me on on um, uh, on Fighter Squadron. <laughs> this isn't Fighter Squadron, but he compliments me on that. I complimented him on a film he did called uh, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, a wonderful director. He co-starred with uh, with um, a Claudette Cobra in it. Uh, Uh, But it was a big film that he went away to war, George did. And he said to me, sitting there, he said, if Mark Sandrich was a big director at Paramount Mm -hmm. and and, and George said, if Mark Sandrich hadn't died, Mm -hmm. who was his mentor, by the time I got out of the army, Mm -hmm. I would have gone on with films. Mm -hmm. For Mark Sandrich, right. I wouldn't be sitting here in this monkey suit today. <laughs> he was, you know, he was dressed as Superman. It's the only time he ever said anything disparaging. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that to me, and I thought, yeah, um, now here we are, you know. And uh, but what I thought, and what overwhelmed me, was what I would really like to have been, and. What I admired more than anything was Laurel and Hardy, and and the comics, all these wonderful comics that worked for Hal Roach. Here I was on the Hal Roach lot, lot where these great people—I mean, Laurel and Hardy—you don't get better. And it's where, uh, you know, George Stevens began as a cameraman on Laurel and Hardy films. And so I was thinking about all this as they were preparing and to put me in the safe and, uh, <laughs> and do all this stuff, and I thought. But it's like that Mm -hmm. we're pioneers nobody has done television, a one camera really filmed to try to do it. Right. We're pioneers like like Hal Roach had been, Ben Turpin, all these great comics, you know, Fatty Arbuckle, uh, Mabel Norman, uh, Laurel yeah. and Hardy, everybody that worked in these things. I thought, and that's what we are. It's so you the beginning of that at that young age. I got conscious of it sitting on the Howard. It was wow. like ghosts around who had worked on uh, you know for Hal Roach yeah. and I, and I thought uh, this is an opportunity to do you have the freedom because mm-hmm. you didn't have freedom on on major right. films. this is the freedom to work like they did and be inventive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 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 do comedy, which is what was my forte, which I wasn't really being given. You know, I did a western, and one movie, <laughs> star of Texas. Anyway, uh, it was just this wonderful uh, thing that came over me, and I thought, with that, that was the first scene we shot, and I thought, all of these twenty-six shows, I'm going to do the best possible work I can mm-hmm. I'm going to be as inventive I'm going to do Jimmy as I seem unless mm-hmm. they and nobody stopped me from yeah. anything they were grateful for anything they could get from me mm-hmm. and I was into it and I thought I'm not going to to throw away one scene I'm going to do and I did mm-hmm. I did all that 26 and then it didn't go on the air like like I'd been told it wouldn't, but I had when I'm in New York in 1953, uh, trying to get into plays, uh, uh, auditioning. The Fragile Fox was one. Doing things. I did a couple of films in the meantime. One a really good film called Man Crazy, an independent for Philip Jordan, directed by Irving Lerner for Fox release, and I did a thing for Mr. Walter Mirisch. Uh, a, uh, a, a film uh, called Battle Zone. Mm. And so I'd, I'd worked, but I got to New York, mm-hmm. had enough money to rent an apartment, do a lease on an apartment, and I'm doing mm. live television, mm-hmm. and nobody cared. Right. You know, I, I had a, a kind of basement apartment at 26 East 82nd. Mm. It was called a garden apartment, but there was no (laughs) garden. If I got in the right position of my window, I could see people's feet going by. It was very dark, Uh and uh, but anyway, I was uh, doing live television. Did a wonderful show for CBS um, uh, with Priscilla Kirk uh, and Lord Lloyd. I'm going to forget his name. Lauren Green. It was his first, he later came out and did, right. it was the first thing he did in New York. We did this three-character show for uh, uh, on Sunday night um, for uh, CBS right. and canned cigarettes. But nobody here in New York is doing that now in October of 50... 3 mm-hmm. the superman show went on the air and and it instantly became the second most popular there was lucy then there was superman and within a month mm-hmm. I couldn't take the bus anymore. I couldn't take the subway. I couldn't walk down Madison Avenue mm-hmm. <clears throat> without cab cabbies yelling at me, Hey, Jimmy, where's your pal with the cape? I was suddenly Jimmy Olsen. Mm-hmm. And that happened um, instantly with Superman. And I got typed. Mm-hmm. And I, I went on with acting and did whatever I could get. Right. But at that time, if you were uh, famous... On a show, All right. now if you were famous like that, with Hot or something, with people I work with, right. like Michael J. Fox, you get to star in a film. Mm-hmm. They see if you'll work, if anybody yeah. will come. But at that time, you were really, really like blacklisted. They didn't want to hire anybody. Milton Berle made a film and nobody came. It's called Always Leave Them Laughing. <laughs> they just left him.
1: Did so <laughs> they do more episodes?
4: Oh, yes. Shooting- oh, we
1: did. we did it until 19... 19- fifty nine, My name is Bob Fisher, and you've been listening to the Superman Forever radio podcast. Superman is based on the original character appearing in Superman magazine and Action Comics. Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and is copyright DC Comics. Any music you've heard on this particular episode or any other episodes that I have done are the copyrights of their copyright holders. I play them for entertainment and fun only. No money is made on this or any episode of the Superman Forever podcast. So tune in next time for an all new episode with the adventures of Superman on the Superman Forever radio podcast.